Hi everybody, <laughs> and welcome to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Oh woohoo! Podcast that talks about music, mental health, and fashion. Um, we have a very special guest today. Um, we've had one former member of the band already, Raf. Our band, not our band. I mean, the, the band, band is oh, probably generous to us. <laughs> yeah, our band. The definitive band. Yeah. And um, Helen. Um, from our band has come down to pick up her keyboard. Yeah, I come down here to pick up my keyboard and get roped into your modern wireless broadcast. <laughs> to be clear, roped, let's, yeah. just for the record, our O-P-E-D. <laughs> roped. Yeah, into doing a podcast because we thought every single person we know that's in the music industry and in some capacity will is asked at some point to be on this podcast. Yeah, if Helen Fisher's in town, you get an interviewer. That's yeah. just that's just common sense. I mean, to be honest, we even asked Spuds once. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm on record as saying he knows nothing about music. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so to start this podcast, um, I've got a question for both of you. Mm. I'm ready. The, the, and me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you could be friends with one member, I'll ask just first. Give you time to think. So mm-hmm. no pressure. Of Guns or Roses, <laughs> who would you be friends with or why? That is a no-brainer. It's Buckethead. <laughs> who wasn't an original member, but he I think he was like a replacement guitarist, but the man wore a KFC bargain bucket on his head <laughs> for years. That was his thing. Did, did, I just admire uh, that. Did he have eye holes? <laughs> no, it was like a hat. He oh, didn't wear it over oh. his face. Oh. It was like a hat. So I wore it as a hat. Yeah. So, slash so it wasn't bucket. Hat. It wasn't bucket face. It's oh. bucket head. So yeah, bucket head for me. Just the gall of joining the world's biggest rock band and wearing a bucket, a bucket on the head. I think that's amazing. Would you? At what point? I'd love to ask him what he was, what were you, <laughs> what what he was what thinking. Were you yeah, that would be my first question. <laughs> and he's like, "Are you going to wear me up for a beer? Are you going to wear your bucket head?" It's <laughs> a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, move. I admire it. And I, is I it think... confidence or is it just? Insanity. I suppose it was probably a desperation to be uh, remembered, I guess. Well, it worked. Yeah, exactly. I don't think if he... I don't know his name, I don't know his real name, but because he wore a bucket on his head... He's, he's not in the band still, is he? No, I think he was only... He was a passing passing guitarist. Well, in, Buckethead in and, and Axel are the only two whose names I actually know, so... Oh, that can't be true. That's not true. Yeah, it is true. The Slash? Yeah. Surely Mr Slash. He's not there anymore, though, is he? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Buckethead's still there. Yeah, you know, he's still alive. Yeah. Oh, right, yes. Okay. Helen, have you thought of someone? Well, if we're allowed... <laughs> based, based on that knowledge. If we're allowed past members, then I'll go for Slash because a uh, friend of a friend, it's possible that I could hang out with him. Shut up. What? Friend of a friend? Oh, Morgan knows Morgan him. Morgan knows him yeah. very well, yeah. She knows Mr. Slash. She's, oh, she's the Slash Meister. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what and you? So, when you say she knows him, could she call up Mr. Slash and he would? Yeah. Answer. I th- well, unless they've had a big falling out. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen her call Mr. Slash? No. <laughs> okay, so. Could all be for yeah, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Unless she's big in the metal game. Mm. Metal. Mr. Mr. Slash. Oh. And he keeps snakes. I like that about Slash. That's, yeah. Because I used to be very good friends with a, a man who Slash was his hero. And he made me go and see Slash's Snake Pit. Yeah. Which was uh, not... 
contents of Slash's underpants. That was his uh, like solo solo project. I think they released one album. Mm. It wasn't very good. I bet it wasn't. No. But then I didn't like Guns N' Roses anyway. He, I was like his friend. He would just drag along to any gig. Rock gig. He was into his rock, right? Yeah, which is why I've seen Terrorvision about nineteen times. I mean, they would legitimately good. <laughs> just, yep. uh, you know, there, there's an argument to be made for that. Yep. I follow Tony Wright on uh, Twitter. He's quite a funny guy. Funny and talented. Yeah. <laughs> he used to like cycling, Tony Wright. <laughs> he still does. Still goes cycling. Yeah. Great frontman. We should have mentioned him last week on yeah. the frontman special. Yep. I well, you've you've done me there because I was going to choose Mr. Buckethead. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Axel, no one can pick Axel, no, so Bell I'm going to go Bell for Bell the only other one I know, Duff McKeegan. <laughs> yep. Was he the original bass player? He's the original bass player. Yeah. Now you say the name, it rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Duff. Duff. But I'll be out. I'll be honest. Nothing. No. Nothing no. <laughs> well, we got that he was the bass player, the drummer. Steve Adler, I believe, was the drummer. Oh, dead ordinary. <laughs> yeah. Little wonder you don't remember him. No. I'm pretty sure it was Ad- Steve Adler. I don't know. I, wouldn't. I don't know if he's dead or alive, but... I'm going to pick him out of the... <laughs> no, that's Bon Jovi. <laughs> uh, okay, so there you go. Um, that was good. That was a better discussion than I, than than I thought we'd get out of uh, Guns N' Roses. It's, it's, really it's hard to think of more and more bands that people might know the members <coughs> for, more than just the singer. Okay, so... Um, I want people to kind of get to know you a little bit first before we actually talk to you properly. So traditionally, when we have a guest, we have a game and it's called This or That. Spill before you grill. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, maybe we should call it that. Yeah, it's probably clever. Yeah. yeah. So I'll read You'll two things out. Helen Fisher, very clever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much cleverer than me. Yeah. So I'll read two things out and you just tell me which one, which one you... Yeah, and don't hesitate. Okay. Which one this is about instinct. Brings to mind quickly, okay. instinctively. Instinctively. Okay. Ne- not necessarily positively or negatively, just w- which one. I'm yeah, and there's no the other option. Okay. We've been hoodwinked by a couple of clever clocks who. <laughs> yeah. It's not this, that, or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's this or that. Yeah. All right, noted. So rules control the fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't rush them, so you get you know. Piano sounds, or squidgy keyboard sounds. Piano sounds, just yeah. Mornings or evenings? Evenings. Ooh, that was instinctive. Yeah. Beach holiday or walking holiday? Beach holiday. Right now, beach holiday for sure. Playing live. You can walk by the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the other one. <laughs> Breaking your own rules. Wanker. Wanker. <laughs> uh, playing live or the recording studio? Playing live. Ooh. Mm. A finger or a thumb? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Always a finger. Always the finger. Yeah. Always the same. <laughs> a sloth or a dolphin? Sloth. I love sloths. I do a great sloth impression too. What, is it visual? Just, or is it... <laughs> Unfortunately. Is that just you Unfortunately, it's very visual. Okay. Okay, so thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> that was good. Good question, Steve. Mm. Because I literally came out with them about 20 minutes before you turned up. Oh, don't give the game away. Yeah, as per usual. Um, so, you, Helen. Yes. You, Helen Fisher. You played the um, the piano, the keyboards, the sing- some of the singing in our band with us. 
in the band New Adventures. Can you can you remember how we all first met? I remember it very clearly, actually. Yeah, I was uh, on the open mic circuit in London, mm-hmm. playing at my piano and singing, thinking I like this, but I'd quite like to join a band and serendipitously if that's yep. a correct word um, a few days after I'd had that thought I walked into a well known vintage clothes store in Covent Garden and you can tell and walked out with a band well with a potential band so there was a note by the till which I can't remember if you or you wrote um, Jez or Steve but it would have been awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took me a while to read. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, it's part of the test. If you can make it to the end of this scrawl, you'll write dedication. stuff. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I can't imagine there was many people that applied before you even... I don't remember a single... I think a few people had a sort of conversation about it, but no one took it seriously. It said something like, we're looking for a keyboard player for a band, comma, preferably female. Did we? Were we actually specified yeah, female? Did we? Sexist. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, right. I thought, yeah, that's, that's that like me written all over it. Yeah. Can you actually, is that what it says? I have no idea yeah. what it would have said. Something along those lines. I, the, the, yeah. the, the only bit I remember for sure is the comma preferably female. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't remember us having a conversation saying... Well, no. preferably a girl, it probably said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A woman. A woman. Um, and then you gave me a tape to listen to, or a CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine it would be a CDR. Probably CDR. Mm. And invited me to a rehearsal, and I went away and learned some parts, and um, came along with my big keyboard. Because you, you probably wasn't that because at the time we had a guitarist that we left, obviously, and then when you joined, so it was a diff- we were probably going for a different sound or trying to figure. Out. I don't know how we even come to this con- this conclusion. I remember. I don't know if it was the very first one Helen was. Uh, but I remember us playing all the songs because we were in a previous band we lost the guitarist and we wanted to basically relaunch ourselves I remember playing all the old songs from the old band but really slowly <laughs> like they were all turned them all into piano ballads That's, I remember playing songs like Tearjerker which was kind of an upbeat sort of grand yeah, I learned song. that one for, yeah. the, for the rehearsal yeah. but we t- yeah we just played it and I think it was I would like start it and like just turn them all into sort of soppy <laughs> Because you want, because you had your vision, or because you were just nervous? I no, I think because we'd lost the guitarist, it felt like that was the direction we were naturally going in. I suppose. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it was a clear. I think we maybe we did it with one song. It sounded good, and then so it was like, oh, let's do, it. <laughs> let's do it. And I guess there were two of us then in the band who played piano, yeah. so it was quite <laughs> <laughs> a natural direction. What did you What did you make of it when you first? Can you remember what you thought? Yeah, I liked it. I remember. So I think you told me when you gave me the CD that this was the old stuff, and you were looking to write a load of new stuff and maybe go in a different direction. But I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you specified what direction that would be. Um, I remember thinking the music was good, but. I think more the singing than was shit. Yeah, the singing was awful. Fair, fair question. More than that, I think I I liked you all. I thought, yeah, you seem like a decent bunch. Well, because that must have been really daunting coming into yeah. a, being like sort of the last one to join the gang, sort of yeah. feeling. It did. Feel, it did feel like a first day at a first new school, at school where yeah. everyone had been at school for about well. Yeah, you've you transferred from. Yeah, for yeah. sure. From an inner city comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> Because I suppose, from our point of view, we were still trying to adjust as well, right? It was also yeah. a different dynamic for us. That's it. I need to have someone completely new in who wasn't Jamie, like bringing things down, 
and B having a go in the band. Exactly. You found us very much in a transitional period. I don't know mm. if you picked up on that. Yeah. Or it felt like... So <laughs> it didn't feel fully formed, I imagine. Yeah, it felt like um, I was maybe at a new school where there'd just been some kind of event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was a little bit yep. shell-shocked, maybe, and a little mm-hmm. bit not sure where to go next. Did it feel about right? Did it feel good that you actually had the opportunity to put your stamp on things because in a way you you came at a time when you were able to say we could you know your stamp was really important in the changes that we were making as a band yeah I think that made a a big difference obviously you don't know what you don't know but I can imagine if I'd come in and you'd said here are the songs play them like this it wouldn't have felt so enjoyable because I was already writing my own songs so it felt like it was nice to be able to bring some for the piano or keyboard parts particularly bring some of that creativity to it did you ever feel like did you at early doors did you ever think like this is not this is not really for me or did you just feel like you fitted in straight away or did you after about four weeks I'd had enough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too polite to say <laughs> yeah, I'm just like shit I'm in it now yeah. uh, no I, d- I don't think I ever felt that at the beginning because I was definitely in a place in my life where I was all about you were ready trying for new things and just going for it and saying saying yes to not to everything but because you hadn't been in bands before that had you was this your first experience of I'd been in bands at school and university but like bands in inverted commas like well you sort of do more talking about it than actually playing gigs and stuff yeah and I played with a lot of other people in um with classical music in orchestras and um a bit of jazz and blues singing and that kind of thing at school so it wasn't an unnatural feeling playing with other people it was just yeah different stylistically was it what you expected it would be had you thought about what being in a band was like the sort of cliches and the stereotypes and everything yeah a little bit I, I definitely it was less I think I was expecting there to be an alpha and there wasn't and that was like <laughs> that was the problem that was yeah. one of the big features of the band and yeah. and yeah as you said maybe one of the problems in terms of having that like clarity of decision mm-hmm. particularly later on that um I remember thinking oh I, I was expecting there to be a person who was a bit more dictatorial so mm. that was unexpected but I think the rest of it was pretty much as I thought it would be um I think being in a band with four guys, because I have an older brother, didn't feel that weird. I got a bit um, zoned out during the football conversations, I think. You held your own, you had some Crystal Palace knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, John I like playing and watching, but I don't really care about yeah. who, mm. who goes where. Probably how they <laughs> yeah. 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 Good thing about football, right, is... No matter who you're with, you've always got something to talk about. Yeah, it's a it's default conversation. Yeah. Although I find like box TV box sets are, are starting to sort of creep like into that. creep into that that position as the default conversation now, yeah. which I, is actually more enjoyable. Definitely. I think. I think one thing that I don't think I really knew what to expect, but um, <clears throat> was slightly disappointed by on many occasions was the, the, the dressing songs. rooms. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not the songs. <laughs> Oh shit! Um, the dressing rooms were often damp and leaky, and um, not well, actually. Really? You did actually think they'd be more glamorous room. than that? I, I don't think I thought they'd be glamorous. I but thought there might just be a dry room to get <laughs> yeah. changed in. But uh, yeah. that so that was disappointing on many occasions. But you quickly get used to it. I suppose because by that point we'd had a good 
four or five years on the circuit, yeah. in inverted commas, and yeah. we knew <laughs> we were just weary. Just took it for granted. Yeah. Didn't really think about it, really, because I suppose I don't really want to highlight too much about being a being a girl in a band because it's you know it's just normal. We, I, I don't really think we really thought about it particularly. Like just kind of just was what it was, but I imagine from your point of view, like always, like when you're on tour, it's like quite evasive when you're in a tight van with each other and you're kind of like sleeping in random places and you're like all these sort of stuff. Like, did it ever kind of? No, I don't think that ever faced me really, because partly because I was used to. I I was quite a tomboy when I was a kid, and I and as I said, I had an older brother, so I think like spending time with. Yeah guys was like in close quarters wasn't a, a thing um no so that it didn't really phase me i think there probably were times though not even the craved, smells the smells could have i could have done without but yeah. there were times me too. when <laughs> i probably did crave a bit of female company but then yeah. we often had people like zach and josie around to kind of have a chat with so and also i think because <laughs> How do I put this? You, none of you are like the most alpha kind of males. Uh, it, it, yeah. yeah, we're aware of that. That's it, a good. It felt it felt quite nice from that perspective. You don't you didn't just talk about football. No, no, but it's yeah. I mean, it's like being like you say when you're in a band, you're in a gang, and it's just what it is, isn't it? It's like you just you're all used to dealing with each other, and you're seeing each other in random, like you know, at your best and your worst. Yeah. And I, I liked that, and I definitely felt um, I definitely felt like protected by all of you as the only girl in the band as well, which was nice most of the time. <laughs> you didn't need much protecting. No, I don't remember ever feeling like that. I don't ever remember even feeling like we had to really, particularly, or just kind of just. But we would have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice to know. Well, we just to be clear, probably would have. We probably would have slapped them off behind their back. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest weapon of all. <laughs> Did you learn anything about yourself? Like during this time of being in a band, that's a bit of a deep question. But. Yeah, I definitely did, and I think maybe, yeah, I think a lot of the learning probably happened kind of afterwards with the processing. But I definitely, afterwards, and a while after we'd kind of stopped playing together, um, remember thinking that I, it kind of taught me that I should probably stand up for my opinion a bit more. And I think I think we were all a bit guilty of that. Actually, we, we kind of had this dynamic of. Um, Sometimes a person raising something and there being a bit of passive-aggressive kind mm-hmm. of response, and I think I, I kind of came out of that thinking, okay, I'm going to be a bit clearer about kind of what I want and what I think and what I believe. Um, yeah, I think that was the main learning for me, and creatively as well, it was great because um, I came out of it with a whole load of new influences and musical literacy and. The experience in the recording studio and on the road, I learned a lot and just being around so many different people that you just wouldn't come across in everyday life. So it was overall good. <laughs> <laughs> overall, seven out of ten. Yeah. 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 But they one of the um things that we say about this is like it's the the, the both sides of the coin is that A, there was no one that was like dictate dictatorial that probably had an impact on what we were actually kind of achieving as a band but on the flip side I always kind of think that in a way it's part of the reason why we still have ownership of it individually all of us none of us kind of washed our hands of it completely yeah. because we 
being a kind of cooperative, I guess, that we all felt ownership of this band. We all felt ownership of this process and the songwriting process. And none of us, you know, even after all these years, have completely washed our hands of it and gone, fuck it, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's probably why, because we all felt... the fact we're still friends. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. The fact that we still get on really well and still great friends and still love hanging out together is testament to And want to do it again. Yeah. You know? If, If I'd... For example, had been a the dictator and really seen my vision through. Yes, we might have got further up the ladder, but chances are you'd have all thought I was a bell and wouldn't want to spend any time. Well, that's when you fall out when you literally have no input or no, you don't feel part of it. Yeah, you, what what really are you doing? You've got for? no reason. You got yeah. no. You got every reason to walk away and go. Don't care. Yeah, but when you it wasn't do, really mine. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't mine to kind of care about. Yeah. And I think that. It, I, I like the fact, even though we did have to walk away, I like the fact that we walked away because we'd lost the love for doing it in the context we were doing it, not because we'd lost the love exactly. for each other. Like, exactly. That yeah. was really good. It was the, yeah, we'd lost sight of what the goal should have been, I suppose. We had this very clear goal, yeah. which almost, you know, the closer you got, the further away it seemed. And as soon as you realise, oh, that's not what it's about. It's about the music, it's about friendship, it's about... You know, love. This is getting, this is getting really good. <laughs> and yeah, when we came back and did those those yeah. gigs, that that was all there was. And the love was, was all there, and yeah. it was great. Yeah. And you enjoyed it for what it for what it was, rather than what it could where it could get you or what, you know. Where did it you, could take you? Yeah. Did you ever feel pressure? Yeah, I think I definitely started feeling pressure once there once there became the potential for us to be successful. <laughs> And then it was like, okay, right. And I think there were a couple of moments in particular. I remember that gig we did in the Luminaire when it was like the semicircle of doom with the whole music industry. That was awful. That was, we weren't prepared for that. And there was a lot of pressure, and it just felt like, okay, things just got real and in very way, quickly. In a way, it's kind of like almost like we could have, if we'd have known better, we could have managed the whole thing better. And uninvited people and had more people there that were actually into seeing the band and mm. drip fed through people that two yeah. gigs and stuff yeah. but you don't even know you don't know any different do you, you just so do whatever you're told. <laughs> yeah. but even like Rick said I don't know if you listened to the podcast where we t- we spoke about his experiences as a producer and he even said didn't he that he felt like we were chasing it at, mm-hmm. by the end as, yeah. a, as a collective including him and that we're always kind of like a little bit behind that we were chasing and chasing rather than yeah. actually yeah. kind of writing songs for better reasons. Yeah, and it definitely felt like at the end we were we weren't letting the songs happen. We were constructing them and we were mm-hmm. over it engineering them and we were piecing them together and it, it didn't feel like it was the process that we'd started with, which was much more fluid mm-hmm. and much more enjoyable. <laughs> more fluids. The <laughs> more fluids. No, that's true. And it, it's actually I'm finding this very healthy to talk talk about this way. It's quite it's quite therapeutic. Yeah, it does feel therapeutic actually. <laughs> I, I think well, I think to what I can tell from the sort of conversations we've had, and we haven't spoken at all yet to Nick Hello, our drummer, but everyone else who's been involved in this band. And next week we're, we're talking to Zach, who was involved with the band, and of course as a like, tour manager and part of everything. But everyone seems to have had the same kind of experience with it that everyone kind of believed and loved and was close but it's like that kind of like chasing that dream that was like like you said getting further away the longer further down the road you went mm-hmm. um, 
and everyone seemed to have that well, no matter what part or role you played within the band everyone seemed to have that same kind of experience mm-hmm. and it wasn't through lack of desire it was through just I don't know lack of <laughs> they have good songs <laughs> if that's what you want to say say it before you say it man I don't know what it was but it's just yeah whatever it was it was <laughs> just was yeah it's just one of those things isn't it but it's interesting that everyone had that similar kind of experience You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. Peace out, mother crushers. I guess it was a journey that we all went on together and mm. it was and I think that comes down through being like the sort of personalities we were that we were quite inclusive and we were quite able to kind of invite people into our world that then they would feel part of our world yeah we were very welcoming opening and yeah kind of they, yeah like so they would say there wasn't anyone who would make you feel uncomfortable like yeah. perhaps there was with Jamie yeah in the previous band yeah I do remember being very curious about Jamie and thinking who is he? Because <laughs> yeah, he got a lot of attention. Because I never mm, met him, but yeah, to me he notorious. was like a mythical figure. Yeah. He was like looming over the band, at least for the first If few we months. had any contact with him, we hadn't had a link to him, I'd love, I'd love... I did reach out, I sent him a Facebook message, but he didn't... He doesn't, he's not, yeah, I don't think he goes on there anymore, but I, you know, I sent him one. It's probably there in his message requests. Mm. Um... You were basically the best member of the band, like musically. <laughs> just, <laughs> just finish it just there. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Did you ever get frustrated with the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> Me, for example. But like, as musicians, like in like the struggle to kind of like come up with ideas or parts, because it came really naturally to you. Or always did music. Music. Um, I think, yeah, there were days where I got frustrated, but I don't think it was ever an overriding factor. Like, there were moments when I think I thought, oh, I can see really clearly we need to go there or this needs to happen. Or, and sometimes it happened and sometimes it didn't. But I, I think we probably all had those frustrations with, like, with our own parts and with our own sense of where we wanted the songs to go. But not in terms of the musicality of it, because I think mm. we, we were all really good musicians. We just had different backgrounds and different levels of speed I think in terms of like getting into things and working things out so not not from that perspective I think but I think maybe from a creative perspective or would you put pressure on yourself for like creating parts because obviously when you were you come from more a more <coughs> classical background I guess and yeah. having to write music that was a bit more like uh, 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 <laughs> you know what I mean like kind of a bit more indie kind yeah, of yeah I definitely 
That's short hand for indie. That was my best part. But they sort of parts that were a little bit maybe less musically. Is that the bit you were referencing? Yeah, I think that I um I I learned to simplify though because I was I was used to playing like probably in lots of ways more complex music yeah. but in other ways less enjoyable music so I de- I definitely challenged myself to step back from that where I could but sometimes that was hard and sometimes I found myself playing a part and thinking hmm this sounds quite classical yeah. and this song is not like, like learning, that at all. like learning the the less is more kind of yeah, it's like music. de-learning the piano yeah. yeah but in a good way because I think often it's, it's harder to say something in fewer words and I think it's the same with music it's, it's harder to say something in fewer notes but often more effective so yeah that's another thing I learned simplification mm. for sure because but, yeah I always like felt like that it's like you learned how as you went on you learned less you you became less and less complicated with your parts, but I think it became more and more suiting for like the music. Yeah, I agree. Because of it. But then there was times where it was like a complicated piano line or something, which would be like kind of really cool and kind of like quirky, which I wouldn't, which was like added something to like say some jazz would come with on the piano and how you change it. And I can only remember one time you actually struggling to play something in a recording studio, which was I think it was the kissing piano line. Yeah, like figuring it out. Yeah, because we recorded that. I can ever remember you getting a little bit frustrated with yourself. Yeah, we recorded it at the piano and we were doing it in one take yeah. every time. And I remember getting to take number like nine or yeah. ten and being like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I think that's the only time I can ever remember that happening. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the parts of the sort of moving to the world of bands and rock and roll, or whatever, from coming from the classical world. Like, because I, I obviously played the cello and was in orchestras and stuff, and that whole change from playing, you're wearing a fucking bow tie, you play, everyone sat down completely quiet, and you're playing, to then you're playing in pubs where everybody's talking, <laughs> nobody notices if you make a mistake, yeah. and just that completely change of atmosphere. Did, did you, is that something you enjoyed, that, that change, or did you miss the kind of people paying attention? <laughs> Uh, when I made a mistake, I enjoyed the fact that yeah, no could. one noticed. Yeah, you could. Except you would see the, the, yeah. the shudder and the shudder. Yeah. <laughs> she did that little yeah. cheeky smile. Yeah, I found or it very hard. Or the slight look in each other's eye bit, which is fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, I would always be wrath that would like yeah, stare at me and try and catch my eye and be like, I know what you've done. <laughs> so, I need better yeah. buff note. So in those circumstances, it was kind of a relief to have the mask of the noise. Yeah. I think there were some songs that I remember thinking, particularly when there were exposed parts or when you had an exposed vocal line, that I remember getting quite frustrated and thinking, just shut up and listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's well, but then I, 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 I know times that we would be just as bad. Oh, like, yeah, of course. After a gig, yeah. the Everyone does it. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. It's just kind of part of that thing. It's like we all say that it's so much easier to be in a band when you've actually got fans that actually want to see you, yeah. because it's easier to work a crowd when they're actually on your side already. Yeah, and they know the song. Having to win over strangers is a fucking hard work. Yeah. I think. I don't who you are. If like you're, if you're, if you're the Rolling Stones starting out for the first time, it's difficult to kind of win people over at the beginning. And you see it with bands playing new songs. It's like it's always yeah. really hard playing songs from your new album the yeah. first time because no one knows them. Yes. Yeah. They want the old stuff. Um, 
did it ever affect you mentally like the kind of challenges we had like or did you kind of like just cruise along I think I spent much of the time cruising along and again I think it was probably afterwards that I processed it a bit more and I think that realisation that we spent so long chasing something and didn't quite get there and it kind of left me feeling a bit like I lost the love for music for a little while definitely and I think I feel like we probably all did to a certain extent and it, it left me kind of reassessing what, what do I do next um, who with, am I now yeah who am I now after the band and especially musically and it took me a long time to get back to a point where now I'm, I've found the love again and I'm doing it again and I'm really enjoying it but that, but that was a good process because I think I've come back to it with a kind of fresh energy and a fresh sense of knowing what I want to do and um, having a bit more to say, I think, um, having processed all of that. So what are you doing musically now? Because I know, I know you share those little piano... Yeah, they they were just like... I've been writing a few little... Or, or they're kind of semi-improvisations that I just mm-hmm. do every few days or every few weeks. Um, that's the, And they're kind of practices, really, for me to get back into just sitting down and playing every day. Um, uh, so before lockdown, I was starting to write songs again and sing them again around... Well, I say around. There aren't many open mics in London with pianos anymore. In fact, there's just oh, really? one that I know of. So I would go to that one and test out some songs. Um, always with a view to kind of starting to write and record stuff again. So part of the reason I've picked up my keyboard today is because I'm going to go home and set up my recording equipment, relearn how to record, (laughs) and just write Mm. some stuff um, or record some old stuff. Because that was like a really big part of what you did as well with us, right? It was like demoing with Jez particularly. Yeah. And creating these like versions, like beginning visions of a song. And I was, you know, you take that for granted, really. Yeah, we had a lot of fun in my bedroom. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Genuinely, like, I look back so fondly on those times because yeah. that part of the, like, I would spend, like, the morning or, like, to the early afternoon writing something. Then I'd go to yours and we'd sort of, at that point, the song could be anything and we'd lay, you know, we'd have so much fun putting strings on it and, like, trying to give it a vision. Mm. And I suppose this is where this, like, lack of, uh, clarity of our message would come through we would then take it to the rest of you and then it would turn into something completely different but it was so much fun I think the only song that didn't really change was was Switzerland that ended up yeah that's true because actually yeah we actually used the beginning demo parts as the basis of the song yeah I think we just basically re-recorded some more you added some guitars over the top of it did I (laughs) (laughs) took it to the next level obvs so would you recommend someone listening to this is thinking about it, would you recommend joining another band? I think it depends what you're doing it for. I think mm. if you're doing it thinking, I'm going to be famous, <laughs> don't bother. Yep. I think if you're doing it because you want to learn more about music and about playing with other people, and also, it, again, it depends on the band, but I made some friends for life out of it, and that is irreplaceable, and I had some amazing experiences. So I think if you're looking for... A, something to do musically that will push you and expand your horizons and give you a whole load of new experiences good and bad that you never thought you'd have then yeah do it although who knows, who knows what the future of live music currently looks like oh god yeah yeah well we've got some guests on the podcast coming up to talk about that yeah just that Cause topic uh, me and Jez always talk about doing music again but never really ever do do we <laughs> Just don't have the time. Just no time it's anymore. Because the we business say that, takes up. Yeah, everything. It's a bit fa- like being family. in a band. 
Because yeah. I always say that it's kind of like to do it properly, you have to you have to give it a lot of your headspace, really. If you want to kind of and yeah, I think that's to, the other you've thing. You've got to commit. I'd say to someone thinking if you're doing just it, one yeah. foot in, then he's never going to really work because you're not kind of committed. It's like joining a family, and you have to yeah. be committed to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. And if you're in lots of bands as well, it's kind of like unless that's all you're doing, but it's kind of hard to fully commit. I think. Okay. Um, okay so. We're going to play a regular feature, and we like to call this with our guests. We call this game Band for Life. So hear the rules. I would like to hear the rules. I'm sure you've been, you, you've, I imagine you've listened to this several times. No, I, but I think I know the rules. Just for our listeners, so we get our guests to choose two bands or artists, one of which they could listen to for the rest of their life, never get bored because there's so much to explore, they're banned for life. The other, they ban for life uh, and they raise their music from existence, never to be heard from again. But the artist and their family are not touched. Okay, so no one's no one's hurt. Just the music is erased. So you give us two. Bands. Give us two, and then we we like to guess which is which. We'll Although, guess yours. Yeah, I bet. I bet we'll I'd guess be very it. surprised if you trick us. Yeah. Well, I Tell went through. <laughs> I went Bjork. through a lot of. Is it it's not Bjork. Ah. So I went through Bjork, Tori Amos. I went through Radiohead, The National. I went through loads of bands and artists, and then I thought. I'm going to theme this along the lines of uh, your previous band's name, Fans of Kate, uh, and I'm going to say Kate Bush oh. or Katie Melua. Oh. Well, it's obviously, you, there's no way you're banning Bush. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no. Even though she is a Tory, mm. I've heard. Uh, you love the Bush. Always going to political, <laughs> isn't it? Always political with you. Well, I'm just saying. Well, Peter Shilton, <laughs> England's greatest ever goalkeeper. Scum. Brexit's scum. Uh, yeah, you love the bush. I do famously. love the bush. Yeah, I do love the and bush. And although Meliwa has counted all the bicycles in Beijing, which I think we're well, all grateful for. This is one of my issues. Uh, oh. I, I don't have irrational dislikes of many people. I feel like maybe this is slightly irrational. I feel like I don't trust her because of her hair. What's wrong there? It's lovely curls. Just, it just seems unnatural. Right. Unruly. <laughs> unruly. Uh, it's kind of really curly right down to the roots. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Does that help? Yeah. You know, I, I dye my hair, but there's, it's, that's why it's irrational. Um, secondly, if you're going to sing a song about the number of bicycles in Beijing, get your facts straight. Oh, you don't think that's she, accurate? You think she's being racist? It's not accurate. And she says in the song that it's a fact. That's a fact. It's not a fact. Yeah. Lies. Yeah, um, and, and I, I just, know it's not accurate because uh, you Google it. No. This was, you know, this was ten I, years ago. Maybe I read an article that <laughs> oh. wasn't accurate, and then I googled oh, okay. it, which okay. confirmed, confirmed. Um, the article. Okay. And I just don't believe her. Oh. I just say. I don't know what she does. 
who she is. Well, I'll tell you what, for one thing, she's in bed with the Wombles. Mike Bat. Mike Bat and the Wombles, she's in bed with them. That's probably that another play <laughs> issue. <laughs> what does that mean? He was her manager, and her, yeah. you know, the, Mike Bat, the sort of music impresario. Who is the brains behind the wombles? Oh, I was thinking of the wombats. He might have had something to do with them too. Uh, Any wombs, he's oh, in. Well, Any little, little hairy men. Whereas the bush, I mean, yeah. I was saying to someone the other day that I spent a lot of my childhood uh, dancing around my bedroom to Jean Michel Jarre's Equinox in a kind of floaty way <laughs> on my own. No one, no one saw. Uh, and then I came across Kate Bush, and she was like a, my spirit animal. It's like another floaty dancer. So yeah. yeah, I love the bush. I'll keep her. <laughs> That's on record. <laughs> Helen loves the bush. <laughs> that is a great choice. I like. I you know, big fan of the bush too. She's she's just one of a kind, isn't she? She's, you know, there's no one. She's unafraid, and she um... has she got a deep catalogue of quality then. Well, she disappeared for ages, didn't she? she? Came back with Ariel. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't heard the comeback stuff. I've heard it's good. It's good. Um, I think if I had to pick one album, I'd go Hounds of Love. If I could add um, this woman's work to that album, I'd take that album forever and ever. Okay. Oh. Maybe I should... Re- I, I don't do the lyrics thing, but maybe I should do Katie Mellinger's Nine Million Bicycles. Just to... Uh, talk about yourself, so I'll... Oh. Oh. I'll look it up. Jez is on his phone. <laughs> Checking his emails. I'm not checking my emails. I'm just gonna just so you can do the jingle. What was your favourite people Adventure song? That's a really good question. Thank you very much. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Off the top of my head. <laughs> um, so one of my favourites to play was Money. I loved playing Money. It was yeah. just so much fun when the ba- when I got to do the squelchy bass and yeah. the keyboard um, and the vocal harmonies. Um, so that one to play. To listen to, hmm. I think I, I know. I know we never released it, but the um, the cowboy version of Hanging Over, I was, I loved. Oh, hmm. interesting. Um, did you beautiful. prefer to play quick tempo bangers or more slower anthemic ones? I uh, liked both in very different ways. So things like Money, I loved. I loved being able to do mm. the kind of squelchy keyboard sounds um, but I also liked being able to show off with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the, the piano ones yeah because yeah, you could actually hear you know. yeah. did you ever find it frustrating that the keyboards were never high enough in the mix um, I mean, you must have I think some sound engineers were really good and, and kind of got it and others were just like mm. assumed it was just going to be background chords and turned it down so, did you ever wish yeah. you had in ear monitors so you could hear it all better Yes, and it might have saved the hearing in my right ear as well, which is not good. Oh, is it, is it bad? Uh, it's, it's just um, very high or very low sounds that are, are kind of slightly jarring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. otherwise. Is that the drums? Is that the drums ear? Is that Evo's incessant <laughs> bashing? It's probably partly that, and partly that I once uh, was using an earbud and someone bashed into me and uh, oh. it, it did some damage, so. I won't fully blame being in a band for my uh, dodgy right ear. Fair enough. It's a contributory factor. Helen Fisher, fashion. F-f-f-fashion. You, stage wear, you wore some beautiful dresses. Pitch, I'm sort of in the vein of, sort of Florence and the Machine, a bit, a bit of Bush, I suppose. A bit of Bush, yeah. Was that important to you? Is that something you always wanted to bring to 
Yeah, I think I didn't realise that it would be important to me until I started doing it. And I, I was definitely encouraged by you two because you worked in the vintage clothes shop and um, you time. supplied me with some of those dresses. And um, But the more I started doing it, the more I just loved it and kind of started exploring it. And it, then it became a thing that I didn't want to let go of. And that actually, that was one of the really difficult things post-band. I had this like rack of amazing dresses with no- and nothing to do with them and nowhere to wear them. Yeah, and, did you just yeah. wear them around the house? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Sure, um, during, during lockdown. Yeah. With a glass, of, a glass of gin, yeah. Yeah, I have. Had I'm a, a star. I've had a few dress-up days with a cocktail, sure. for sure. Did you yeah. like the kind of direction that went with fashion in regards to kind of like this, this kind of like weird boho-y kind of Russell, poor man's Russell Brown kind of <laughs> thing that we, we were trying to achieve? Yeah, I liked it because it had a direction and it was uh, it was deliberate, and I think that was that that was good, and it, it felt like something we all mostly enjoyed. I think maybe the three of us probably enjoyed it the most. It suited the music as well. I, yeah. I thought I thought that section of our history, we had the kind of the image and the music at least went yeah. hand in hand, and we had a clear yeah. clear vision in that way. Yeah, just uh, no hit singles. <laughs> What you gonna do? <laughs> uh, okay, Jess. So to finish off um, this beautiful episode, um, we are going to. Oh, I asked actually Matt today whether or not we can start looking to record this jingle. Yeah, but I like the live version as well. <laughs> oh, that little bit sound weird when you read them out. <laughs> I want to try and get a list when you do it. When I actually record the jingle properly, yeah. foreboding music and then yeah. lispy build up. Nice contrast. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Katie, <coughs> Katie Melly was nine million bicycles. Oh, I read it out in a dramatic reading. Yeah, in your honour. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> there are nine million bicycles in Beijing. That's a fact. A couple of questions. What is? <laughs> what? But how many are there? Less Definitely than that. Less than that. Okay. Not nine, nine, did she say nine million? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is it a coincidence? Yeah. That isn't like a decimal okay. point or anything. That's a fact. It's, it's a, a fact. thing it's we fact. can't deny. Can't. Listen to Melua. Like the fact that I will love you till I die. Oh, that's nice. That's opinion. You, know, you can't guarantee that. We're 12 billion light years from the edge. That's a guess. <laughs> yeah, it's only an island. <laughs> No one can ever say it's true. But I know that I'll always be with you. I'm warmed by the fire of your love every day. So don't call me a liar. Just believe everything that I say. Oh, I don't, Katie. I really don't. (laughs) There are six billion people in the world, more or less. She qualifies that with more or less. (laughs) And it makes me feel quite small. But you're the one I love the most of all. Oh, Oh, that's nice. I don't know why, guys. Sounds all right. We're high. Oh, uh, actually, I'm out. On the wire. Oh. With the world in our sight. And I'll never tire of the love that you give me. Don't make promises you can't keep, Katie. Every night. <laughs> there are nine million bicycles in Beijing. That's a fact. It's a thing we can't deny. Like the fact that I will love you till I die. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> made my day. Oh, quite like Well, I'll listen to the song. I don't think yeah. you'll... Uh, no. What was her other one? She had another. Mm. It was a follow-up. Uh, this is the cra- closest thing to crazy, I think, was the only other This song. is the closest thing to crazy. She put on a weird 
singing voices. Well, it wasn't like, <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure it was that. Yeah, that wasn't it. That was another example <laughs> of a weird singing voice. Anyway, Helen Fisher, thank you for being on the podcast. It's lovely to see you. Yes, it's been a pleasure. I hope it was lovely to listen to you. Uh, Let's just hope it's recorded, eh? Yeah. Fingers crossed. Don't be unfortunate. So thank you guys for listening to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Podcast that talks about music, mental health and fashion. Bye. Love you, bye. Bye.